Good evening. We welcome you into another edition of Gateway to Baseball Heaven. I'm your host, Daniel Shopdaw. C70 at the bat at C70 on Twitter. With me, as always, Tara Nichols from Birds of the Black and at Tara Wilman on Twitter. We have only the one game to talk about this week. The Cardinals played the Dodgers in, Tara, what was a very good, except for the result, uh, wild card game. <laughs> You know, I, I'm sure that if you're not a fan of either one of those teams, it was kind of a, a really good game to watch. And unfortunately, we're a fan of one of those two teams. Right. That's been my comment all along, is that if I wasn't invested in the result of that game, it would have been exactly what I wanted from a wild card game, because I am all about the postseason chaos <laughs> when I don't have uh, a particularly strong pull for one team or the other but not only chaos it was just it really was and I know that it feels like from a Cardinals perspective oh man they fell right back into the things they were doing in June and July and we can talk about that a little bit because to some degree yes but it really was a great game against a great team and the Cardinals pretty much matched them inning for inning for most of the night so while it was frustrating in a lot of ways because it felt a lot like some of those early uh, the not early season, I guess most of the the <laughs> heart of the season losses. Everything until August. Yeah, everything <laughs> until the end of August, beginning of September. Um, it felt a lot like that in a lot of ways, and to some degree, yes. And like I said, we can talk about that. But it really did kind of a couple of days later, when you can think back on it and not be quite so emotionally invested. It did give us a really great postseason scenario between two teams that ended up being pretty evenly matched which is not something we would have said about the 2021 cardinals really up until september going up against the 106 win los angeles dodgers so the result certainly left a lot to be desired and and there were opportunities that could have changed it all along Mm -hmm. but um just in terms of those great postseason moments, man, it was taking a step back from the fan part of my brain. Um, it was it was a great wild card game that was going to be heartbreaking for whichever team walked away without being able to advance. Yeah, I, you know, watching that and, and the way it came out didn't make me as depressed as I probably would have been in a lot of other situations um, for the season ending. Um, Maybe that's because, you know, kind of had written the season off two months ago anyway. So you already had that emotionally, you know, shut off. Um, I don't know. Um, But I think it was just the fact that, I mean, they did, they played a team. You're right. The 106 win Dodgers didn't get 106 wins just because they got to play Arizona a lot. Um, That helped. But that wasn't it. You know, they're a very good team. And I think that's why when you see pitching like that, you it's a little easier to say that the Dodgers made pitches versus the Cardinals missed opportunities. Right. Um, not that they didn't. Not that they couldn't have. I mean, you know, if Tyler O'Neill could put the bat on the ball a couple of times, you know, things might have been different. But, you know, you're facing Max Scherzer and you're facing bullpen. You know, they'd not have the weak underbelly of, and if they do have one, which I don't know if they do, you know, they're not going to bring them into a one, one game. So, you know, unless you could get some sort of run, uh, you know, or or go deep enough into this game that you had to get into some of those guys, you're going to face good pitching and you had to make the step up to it. 
hitters didn't quite do that. Uh, 0 for 11 with runners in scoring position kind of kind of really stands out. But um, you know, when Tommy Edmonds scampered home in that first inning, there was probably a lot of people and you know, maybe myself included that wondered if that might not stand up with the way Adam Wainwright pitches. Yeah. And I mean, he did a pretty good job of holding on to that. Mm -hmm. You know, we've seen Adam Wainwright, even as good as he's been this year, every once in a while, he'll give up that solo shot, right? That's the kind of mistake that I almost don't mind from Adam Wainwright because it means he's throwing strikes. And when Adam Wainwright struggles the most, it's when he's not throwing strikes. So that solo shot every now and then it, it to me, I mean, okay, he gave up one run. If that's what makes up the difference in the game, then, yeah, you got to look at the the offense and see how they didn't manage any more than one run against the opponent uh, opposing pitching. Um, so that solo shot for me is not really that big of a deal. I think, um, yeah, there was that thought, man, is this going to be the Halliday Carpenter <laughs> rematch yeah. 2.0 yeah. where the one run holds up? And the one run didn't really come because of a great offensive outburst from the the hitters it came because you know they took advantage of some mistakes and some miscues and you know ended up taking the lead early and those things in the postseason like that when you know the pitching matchup is what it is yeah there was that thought maybe this is going to stand up but that you know at that point wow this is this is going to be a tense one (laughs) there's never going to be a moment where you feel good about it or you feel comfortable because you're 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 one swing away and you know, I think that's what made it feel a little difficult when Adam Wainwright was removed from the game. Not to mention the fact that he hit for himself just prior to that and then only, you know, had what, yeah. one batter in the yeah, that's, uh, that's bottom of the inning. That's a, it's a weird thing. That, that That's one of many weird moments as far as Mike Schilt is concerned, which we can talk about. But um, Adam Wainwright did exactly what I think we expected out of him and what we hoped from him in that game, which was... Um, you know, protecting uh, a one run lead for a good portion of that. And then even after giving up the run, locking right back in. In fact, I honestly thought he looked better after he gave up the home run. (laughs) So whatever that is with, with Wainwright, he was able to keep a really good lineup off balance. And that's what you hope for in a start like that. So there's certainly nothing in my mind that was, you know, oh, this is this is an Adam Wainwright issue because he did exactly what we've seen him do most of the season. Yeah, I mean, there's there's no doubt if you had told anybody that Adam Wainwright gives up one run in five and a third innings, I think almost everybody would say the Cardinals win that game. You right. know, I mean, that's um, or at very least it's a battle of the bullpens, which it did turn out to be. And that's not a place that the Cardinals are afraid of. Usually. Yeah. I mean, you never know with the bullpen, but um, they have enough weapons out there that you'd feel pretty good about that. Um, it just didn't. And it, and it did until the ninth kind of worked that way. Right. I mean, we saw good outings from, you know, Garcia and um, Gallegos. Um, and then and then you had the ninth, <laughs> um, which was less so. And, you know, we all focus on the Alex Reyes and we should, and we're going to talk about that. But if TJ McFarlane can get Cody Bellinger out, like almost every other pitcher has done this year, that's going to extra innings and who knows what happens. Um, that's probably one of those small little really frustrating moments where a left her, you know, in for lefty lefty matchup, Bellinger is 
it has a great reputation and has had success in the past. He is not that player right now. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I think, you know, you'd almost just rather lay it over the middle of the plate than walk him in this situation. And yet that's what they did. Yeah. I mean, there are a couple of pieces to that, right? First of all, the, the nail issue with Gallegos mm-hmm. set things off a little strangely in that inning but you're right if McFarlane gets that guy which there's no reason to be picking around the corners like that with Bellinger this season I mean you have to respect the power that he has you have to respect the player that he's capable of being but also recognize hey uh, he's getting himself out more often than not in a big Mm -hmm. way this year so we got to take advantage of that Um, and you know not try to nibble as much as McFarlane seemed to be nibbling now some of that I, I know at times we are hesitant to be critical of Molina, but a lot of times with McFarland, he's he's hitting the glove. So right. it's yeah. not as if he's he's just wildly throwing errant pitches that you know, <laughs> are off the plate. There are a number of pitches. I would have to go back and look at that at bat specifically, but I feel like at least two of those um, were right at the glove off the plate. And that's part of the strategy that's part of what Molina does we've seen it more this season than I think we've seen or than I've been aware of I I guess I should Mm -hmm. say in the recent past but that doesn't help a scenario where you know you kind of want to it seems like maybe you should be a little more aggressive (laughs) um not to you know call into question Yadier Molina's baseball IQ because uh, let's be honest that's never gonna end well yeah it's not a good idea no no not not a good idea (laughs) at all um Yadier may come right now and find you right that's all I'm saying I don't know how but he he will find a way to do it yeah um (laughs) at least on Instagram uh But no, like I, I get that there's probably a lot that goes into why he felt like that was a better choice in that moment. But from the perspective of th- those of us at home watching, you know, it seems a little strange to not go after Cody Bellinger a bit more aggressively in that situation. And some of it is McFarland missing. Some of it is mm-hmm. Molina setting up off the plate for whatever right. the piece of information is that he thinks makes the most sense there. Um, and, you know, if you set up off the plate and McFarland hits the glove and it's not getting called and he's not swinging at it, <laughs> you know, it's not going to work out so well. So, yeah, that's a huge play. That's a huge at bat that turns into um, quite the the scenario at that point. Um, I think as much as it's, you know, it feels like the easy thing to focus in on the Schilt and Reyes decision. Mm-hmm. Yes, the McFarlane at bat comes into play there. I still think it's fair to say... Everyone everywhere who has watched the Cardinals this season, except for Mike Schilt, knew how that was going to end. Yeah. I, I don't, even watching them go through the 17 game win streak, even when spectacular defensive plays saved Alex Reyes from additional losses, because let's, you know, be honest in that assessment as well, even when he got out of some big innings, it was primarily because of spectacular defense, not because Alex Reyes was pitching like he was at the beginning of the year. Um, Whether it's a confidence issue or a a tired arm issue or whatever it is that has eliminated his ability to get those big outs. I don't know that anyone felt like that was 
a good situation. Now, I get that the Gallego snail issue ruined the plan that they had going into that. I understand that Alex Reyes has been part of that mix coming out of the bullpen for the entire season. I understand that you're looking at the possibility of extra innings and you have to keep that in mind. But you got a whole bullpen full of guys mm-hmm. <laughs> um, who probably haven't, uh, as you um, noted in your uh, post about it the day after, who probably have not allowed 71% of inherited runners to score. <laughs> right, right. So you put a guy who lets inherited runners score in the game when you cannot afford to let the inherited runner score. <laughs> it just, I, the, the calculations there seemed to inevitably add up to the same conclusion. And that's exactly what we saw. So you, knowing that you need a strikeout there is great. Knowing that Alex Reyes has the ability to throw strikeout stuff is great. If you ignore all the other pieces of data that you have available to you because the strikeout part makes sense, I'm not sure that's really putting guys in the best you know, position to be successful. Now, it's easy to blame Mike Schultz. It's easy to say that's the reason they lost the game. It's easy to, you know, kind of say, well, they faced really good pitching. That's why they were 0 for 11 with runners in scoring position. Look, all of that is the reality. All of that comes into play. Mm-hmm. It was the kind of game where one play, one decision, one pitch was going to be the difference maker. Not, you know, a whole sequence of, oh, well, there was a double and then there was this single and then there was a home run and then there was not. It was going to be one play. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and that's why you, you, it's so easy to key in on those mistakes because one difference in those things. Look, if Paul Goldschmidt actually takes a swing with Tommy Edmond on base late in the game and doesn't take three pitches without ever, <laughs> without ever taking the bat off his shoulder, right. maybe right. we're talking about a totally look. So any one of those could be the key moment in that game. Um, but it is really easy at the end to say, Look, we've seen this before. How did you not know this was coming? Yeah. I mean, you're right. You could always, there's lots of decisions you could say, well, it could have done this or could have done that. But you know that Reyes ruined, blew the game. I mean, there's just, and so, I mean, that's just because we saw that. Mm-hmm. You can make a case, and, and the case for bringing him in is very limited. Um, you know, really, it got boiled down to, if you wanted a righty, it was Reyes or Cody Whitley. And right. like Alan and I were talking about on Meet Me Mutual this week, it, yeah, it just doesn't feel like Mike Schultz is going to put a guy like Cody Whitley into the bottom of the ninth of an elimination game. Even though Whitley has probably pitched better than – has pitched right. better. Not, probably has pitched better than Alex Reyes over the last stretch of, of ball games. Um, he was not going to put a rookie in there to, to do that. I, just, I mean, I just – I can't – I mean, could you see that? Could you ever imagine Mike Schultz – between those two guys going with Cody Whitley um, with the game on the line? No, and I think that is one of, I don't know if weakness is the right word, but one of mm-hmm. the challenges that Mike Schultz still has, right? We, we talk about right. sometimes he, he lacks the creativity that you have to have to make a deep playoff run because in the postseason, we've watched enough of Tony Larusa in his prime to know that the postseason strategy doesn't always follow the same script. Right. And sometimes the manager that gets his team in the best position to win is the one that does something where you're like, huh? 
<laughs> I can't believe he thinks that's going to work. And then it does because you know the skill set or you know the mentality or you know, you know, whatever it is. And maybe Mike Schilt made the right choice because Cody Whitley would have crumbled under the, the pressure of that spotlight. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But I think what we don't often see from him is something that we said a lot about Mike Matheny. And I, I always hesitate to make that comparison, but we often said, look, he's, he doesn't go off script. Yeah. You know, this is what the plan is. This is what's supposed to happen. This is how it should work. This is what you do in baseball. Um, and, and so that's what he does. And there are very few times where he does something now to his credit, he did sort of go off script by putting Gallegos in the eighth. Right, right? right, because right. it was the heart of the the Dodgers lineup, and at and he first I saw the nines too. Right, yeah, and and at yeah. first I, at first I saw Gallegos, Gallegos coming in, I was like, what is happening? And then <laughs> I was like, oh, because I, my reaction was because that's not what Mike Schilt does. <laughs> right, well, that's but true. Yeah, I saw it happen, and I was like, oh no, actually, that's really smart. That's like probably how he should be managing more often is based on the fact that he wanted Gallegos to face the the middle of the Dodgers lineup and then go from there. And yes, he was going to put him back out there in the ninth, get what he could from that, especially because the game was tied at that point. So all of this saying, well, Mike Schultz doesn't go off script. I'm sort of proving myself wrong because he kind of did. But it's the exception that that proves the rule that he doesn't do it very often. And when he does, it scares you. Exactly. Exactly. When I, when it happened, I was like, I don't, I don't know how to feel about this until I kind of took a second and realized what was actually happening. But all of that, my point is, no, I can't imagine a situation in which Mike Schultz would have gone to Cody Whitley over Alex Reyes if those were what he felt like his only two options were. But I would follow that up by saying I think that is part of the problem that Mike mm-hmm. Schultz still has as a manager is that it doesn't fit the script. And, you know, maybe that sort of tried and true he's been there before and he's done that thing still holds more weight than the fact that, yeah, but he's not that guy right now, right? You said that about Cody, uh, Cody Bellinger, is that mm-hmm. we know what he's capable of. He's been this dynamic force in the past, but he's not that guy right now. So you have to respect who he's been, but also pitch to who he is right now. The same thing I think is true in, in terms of, you know, who's kind of got the hot hand out of the bullpen, and it's clearly not Alex Reyes. So do you take the one season of Alex Reyes experience? Because let's be real. He's never been in that situation before either. Mm-hmm. Um, or do you take the, you know, couple of months experience of Cody Whitley as a big leaguer and trust that because he's pitching better right now, he's going to be your, your best shot. And that again is the sort of, um, it, it's not even a, like a, non-traditional or or, or or create i don't know what the word is that applies to kind of doing the thing that maybe doesn't logically hold up when you mm-hmm. think about it from one singular point of view yeah and and to me in in a little bit of mike schilt's defense there are not a lot of managers that would do that no and i mean and it's kind of i mean you've you pointed out a little bit there too cody bellinger is in the ninth inning of a one-one game, in part because of what he'd done in the past, not because mm-hmm. as a pitcher, he player he was right now. Because the player that he was right now, 
I mean, given the Dodgers deep bench and I don't know who was available right now up there, but you, you got to feel like they could have easily pinch hit there. Now it worked out for them, obviously, but it's still, would they pinch hit for Cody Bellinger in the ninth inning of a tie game? I don't know if Dave Roberts would do that. Mm-hmm. Um, he's probably more likely to than, you know, some others. Um, and, and that's not to say, like you said, that's not to say that that's right. I just, you know, I don't, I'm not trying to say that Mike right. Schilt shouldn't have done that. It's just that there's so few managers that can do that because it's a lot easier to say, well, I, I put my best guy out there or the guy that should have been there. Um, now, if you, if Mike Schilt actually believes that he should have put my Alex Reyes out there because he had been a part of this team for so long, Versus he was the best option. Now that's a different story. And that, that's something that he will say to the media to try to, you know, get back to Alex Reyes and hopefully help him in some way. I don't, I hope that that's not what he was really thinking. I don't, I don't think that that's like, well, Alex Reyes got, you know, 20 something saves in the first half. So we have to break him in here. You know, if that's the case, then the Cardinals have a lot farther to go on the analytical side of things than we thought they did. Well, that's that's an interesting point, because I think that's one of the challenges of the analytics um, analysis, if you will, and sort of how mm-hmm. you utilize that information. Because we could say the same thing about Matt Carpenter last season when he said, well, you know, the, the analytics department, I, I went and talked to him and they say that I'm, I'm, I'm hitting the ball hard. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, you can find a, a data point that allows you to draw a particular conclusion, right? Alex Reyes has swing and miss stuff. Okay. Yes. Um, he can get strikeouts, which uh, is not inaccurate, right? That That's part of what allowed him to balance the high walk rate early in the season and still be effective as a closer is because he was capable of getting the swing and miss strikeouts uh, in addition to ground balls that allowed him to work around the high walk rate. Mm-hmm. All of that's true. But again, if there's this other data point out there that says 71% of inherited runners score when Alex Reyes is in the game, how you use those data points becomes so much more important than simply having them. Because if you just sort of cherry pick the one that makes you feel good, <laughs> well, I'm hitting the ball really hard. Okay, well, uh, it, that's not helping your results. <laughs> so, like, that's cool, and I'm glad you feel good about that. But if there's another data point that says, you know, if you, and believe me, this is not my favorite thing to say, but if you can learn how to drop a bunt down the third base side, maybe they won't shift as much on you, right? Whatever it is. That's a, a right, right. meaningless example at this point, except to say, one of the, the challenges, I think, with all the information that's available is knowing which pieces of that information are actually useful in terms of giving you a better idea of how to come up with the, the desired result. And if the desired result is not to let Alex Reyes give up a, a walk-off run of any kind, well, then putting him in a situation with an inherited runner may outweigh the advantage of him having swing and miss stuff both of those things can be true 
but they may not have the same value in terms of the decision-making process there. And I feel like I'm a little bit off in the weeds here, but this is what we do Ooh. when the season is over. And, right. you know, we, we talk about these things that otherwise we don't really have time or, or interest in, <laughs> in diving into. But I think it's, we've talked a lot about that in terms of players, players knowing which information is helpful for them and how, right. you know, there's a translation issue with you just give someone a bunch of numbers and they don't know what they mean. It's just going to be overwhelming. So there has to be a process in someone who understands the value of the, those numbers and those data points saying, okay, this is what you're struggling with. I know there's like 17 different numbers that could tell you something totally different, but I think this is the one that's actually going to be helpful. Yeah. And I think the same thing is true in terms of management, in terms of the coaching staff, in terms of identifying how you make those decisions in game based on some of those numbers. Now, there's always going to be a sort of gut feeling that really good managers have that maybe defies the numbers sometimes. And they make decisions and you go, this shouldn't work. <laughs> <laughs> but somehow it does. Um, but I think if you're going to try to use data to defend your decision. Um, you know, there has to be a, a bit of a learning process in how you value those things. Now, that's easy for me to say. I'm not the one getting paid to determine what numbers are more important. Right, right. <laughs> but this is what we do. <laughs> and yeah. that part of the decision-making process is just fascinating to me because there's so much information available. And it's only useful if you, if you pick the right information <laughs> and use it in a way that actually has a, a positive impact on the decision-making or on the result. Yeah. You wonder if the Cardinals on, and I don't, again, we don't know the relationship. We don't know how those numbers are being presented. We don't know all that kind of stuff, but you remember in, what was it? 2018, you know, Matt Carpenter starts off real slow. And that's when the analytics said, you know, just keep doing what you're doing. You're hitting the ball hard, blah, right. blah, blah. And of course, see that he went off and had salsa and, and everything like that and had a great, you know, MVP type run. And you wonder if, especially for guys like that, that have had some success, it's like, well, I, I was hitting the ball hard then and, I, and it came around. So if I'm hitting the ball hard now, you know, it's going to come. And that's not exactly right. Because like you said, it's, you know, they're pitching you differently or, you know, you're hitting it to the wrong spots or right. things of that nature. We, we don't know and, and it, what, what this stuff is. You're right. You know, Alex Ray is, you know, hadn't had allowed 10 straight runners to score, um, you know, going all the way back to April. I mean, you know, granted they didn't bring him in very often when the runners were on base, but it never turned out well when it did. Um, he pitched, really rough since that walk that game where he walked four batters in against the Braves. Right. I mean, there's so many data points that say don't put him in a high leverage situation right now. Right. <laughs> um, and there are not ones that we see again, we don't always see everything, mm. but there's not anything that we see that says, yes, you should put him in there besides the fact he can strike out a better, but even then, you know, you didn't, need the strikeout. There were two outs. Right. There's a runner on second. Get a fly ball to Harrison Bader. We go to the extra innings. He got a fly ball. It went over Harrison Bader's head. <laughs> um, not exactly what we were looking for there. Um, so I, you know, I, I go, those are decisions that you rehash. And those are decisions again, like you said, if something changes, if you, if you had an at bat in the fifth inning, go a different way, 
the whole game plays out differently, right. you know, um, and you don't know what that at bat is. You don't know where that would have been. I'm sure the Dodgers fans were sitting there going, you know, man, we have bases loaded in the, what was it? The third inning and didn't right. get anything out of it. And there for a while there, they thought that was going to be the key to the game. They said, they're not, you yeah. know, didn't get a run there. That's it. And, and it didn't, you know, for their, for their, and their point of view, it didn't, it didn't wind up not being a problem, but there are so many of those in such a close game. And it's, I mean, it's kind of fun to pick at, you know, except for it's kind of like picking a scab a little bit, right. I guess, you know, it's, it's a little bit painful as well to talk about. But um, since we have focused so much on Alex Reyes, and as we start to wrap this up, though, because I, I don't know what else we want to say about the game, but we've seen how he's done this year. We know the Cardinals are talking about making him a starter next year. What do you think what role do you see for Alex Reyes next year and how successful can he be in that role? You know, it's hard to say because we've never seen Alex Reyes rebound from a full season. Mm -hmm. So we've seen Alex Reyes come back from a variety of things that have stopped him along the way, right? right? Injuries and setbacks and whatever it is. We've seen him climb back every time. And show us every time, oh, that's why we've all been really excited about Alex Reyes. This is probably a super unfair comparison to make, but we've said that a number of times in the last few years about Carlos Martinez as well, right? right. That every time it seems like he's out, he comes back just enough to show us, ah, oh, yeah, that's what we were really excited about all those years ago. Maybe it's still there. Maybe this is the time that it that it all comes together for him. And I think there is still so much about Alex Reyes that he can learn and he can grow from and he can adapt. He can, look, take as much as he can from Adam Wainwright and the things that he has learned about how to command his best pitches and make everything else work off of that. Um, you know, he can take something from each of those guys out there he can take something from jack flaherty who didn't even get a chance to pitch a, a lot of this season right um and the things that he's learned in the experience he's had he he and, and giovanna gallegos i'm sure have a lot to talk about a lot of comparisons to make because <laughs> they both were in late inning situations that were new to them uh, as far as what they've done in their career thus far so i i hesitate to even make the carlos martinez example because that's such a hot button topic but i think the point is we all know the flashes of what's there and we saw alex reyes be very successful out of the bullpen this season i think the success gets a little cloudy when you start thinking yeah but he got away with a lot of walks and a yeah. walk rate that was it, it was going to catch up with him at some point right we all knew that we knew that that was not a sustainable um, approach or sustainable skill set when you look at the way guys who are great out of the bullpen have to pitch against major league hitters these days um, so do I think that the way this season ended for him really the second half for him means his career is over no <laughs> I think that he's young enough and he's been through enough already mentally and emotionally and physically that he has had some experience in learning how to come back from whatever it is and yeah. mentally how to get past that hurdle 
maybe not in the immediate, right? We would all love for him to have been able to get past the hurdle the first time he gave up a walk-off home run or whatever it is. It doesn't always work that way. But, you know, that's the beauty of the offseason in one sense is that he has time to figure out how to mentally get stronger in terms of not letting the pressure of the situation get to him, how to physically make adjustments, whether it's simply the command of some of those pitches or just not being tired from the first season that he's pitched this much right there's I can't imagine that's not part of this this scenario for him so physically recovering from the longest season he's ever had as a professional um, and all of those pieces coming together could put him in a really good place come spring training to compete for a spot now I think that there's the possibility that he works better as a starter because one walk isn't magnified like it is when you are only there to pitch one inning. Right. However, the command issues could then lead to some really short outings as a starter, Mm -hmm. which Mm -hmm. could be a different problem. So I think this is a very long way to answer your question because it's hard to know what to expect out of him because again, we don't really have much of a track record of what he'll do following a full season. Um, We don't really have a track record of what he's capable of being as a starter, except for like the one or two really exciting starts he had when he wasn't hurt. Um, And, you know, we don't know how much he can improve from the end of this season to the beginning of next year on the command front. But those are all things that I think can be worked on and he should be given the opportunity to compete for that spot, Um, especially in light of Jordan Hicks likely being back and available for the Cardinals out of the bullpen um, or whatever that might look like for him. So I, I am hesitant to kind of make a big statement about what I think his best role is for this team, because I think a lot of that depends on how he recovers from this season. And the last thing I'll say in regards to Mike Schultz putting Alex Reyes in that spot in the wildcard game, I don't imagine it's going to help him make those improvements with that being his final memory (laughs) of the 2021 season. Now, maybe he's the type that can use that for motivation, um, Mm -hmm. but it's also entirely possible that whatever shred of confidence he had left to build off of this offseason disappeared with with that walk-off home run there because he now has the weight of the season-ending on his last pitch, um, which, you know, whatever that looks like for him, hopefully he's got a greater mental toughness than I would in that situation because I would never recover. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's, it's interesting. I was just reading, kind of looking around while we were talking here, um, an article that Derek Gould wrote um, about Alex Reyes after the game. And, you know, he tied it. He made the comparison of Michael Walker, who yeah. gave up the home run to uh, Travis Ashikawa, of course, against the Giants. And then, of course, Walker came out in 2015 and started great, pitched well, kind of fell off at the end, but that's that had nothing to do with it. So mentally, it didn't affect, it didn't right. look like it affected Walker. But, I mean, that's a, for me, that feels like a totally different situation, Agreed. right? Because Walker was a starter. The You know, Walker hadn't pitched for 20 days. Yeah. I mean, it was and it pressed into a situation that he wasn't necessarily familiar with. I mean, you know, yeah, you don't like it. 
you don't, you know, you feel bad about letting the team down, but there's gotta be a huge part of you says, look, I was not prepared for that, you know, and that is not on me. And I have never heard anybody blame Michael Walker for that home run. (laughs) Never. No, because all of us realize in a different way, he also probably should never have been in that situation. Right. But with Reyes, it was a recurring issue. Right. And that, I think you're right, makes it feel very different. Yeah. I mean, this is not a, wow, all of a sudden he let up a home run in a big game. Right. This is, you did this all the second half. Right. You know. Where have I seen this before? I mean, you know, the Grand Slam to... Vogelbach and the home run against Pittsburgh. I mean, this was not a one-time occurrence. So now granted, if Alex Reyes does become a starter, then yeah, maybe this doesn't affect him that much because he's in a different situation. But, you know, he threw 70 innings this year, which was well less than they wanted at the beginning of the year. And I know he's supposed to go play some winter ball, yeah. Um and, and try to get some innings there and hopefully he, he can, but you still like, what does it look like for next year for Alex Reyes? Is it 140 innings? I mean, double what he pitched in the major leagues this year, but that's still not necessarily a, you know, full season as a starter, you know, what you'd like to see. Mm-hmm. Um, And that's not counting all the arms that they have for the rotation. Plus the idea that, you know, they probably ought to go out and get somebody that's like a, you know, a lot less question marks um, <laughs> to kind of go with Jack Flaherty. And, you know, even Adam Wainwright, we love him. He's going to be 40. I mean, he is 40. And and not that he can't pitch like he did this year, but there's still that doubt, right? Um, and I guess there's probably a little bit of question around Jack Flaherty just because of the injury, although I think there's less concern there. Um, so can he really, can you fit him into the rotation? Should you fit him in the rotation? And if you don't fit him into the rotation, then what does he look like? Yeah. You know, as he comes into relief situations with this idea of now, you know, again, he said somewhere along the way this year that he was, you know, that closer mentality, I've already forgotten it, blah, 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 blah. Right. I don't know how much that's true. Um, it feels like we saw some body language at times that made it feel like he knew what he was going through. Yeah. Um, but you know, if he comes into if he's a reliever next year. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I'm not sure that some of this stuff doesn't carry over unless he has, you know, takes a whole new approach to things. Yeah. And that's why I think there is some significant benefit to the fact that, well, okay, the season's over now. He mm-hmm. has time to kind of go back to the drawing board, figure out what wasn't working and whether it was, uh, you know, his approach to those innings, whether he did lose some confidence, which uh, look, let's not fault the guy. Uh, Anyone who isn't superhuman, like some athletes are, (laughs) uh, would have their confidence rocked based on how quickly things went south for him in the second half and how dramatically that affected the entire team and the entire fan base. Like there's a lot of weight on this kid's shoulders, because of how difficult things got for him in the second half of the season. So, you know, if he lost a little confidence there, I, and no one could fault him for that. But 
the benefit of okay now he doesn't have to go back out there and try not to mess it up again for the rest of this season right that's that's Mm -hmm. done and over with is that he can go back and figure out what he can take away from that how he can learn from that how he can identify where things went wrong and then you know learn enough from that to be confident in making those adjustments i keep going back to adam wainwright because we've heard him all season and really going back to last season talk about the fact that he lost confidence when he wasn't pitching well and it took a lot of people and a lot of time including jack flaherty to remind adam wainwright hey you don't have to do what anybody else is doing you just have to do what you're good at and you're still good at it you just have to trust in that and you know so i think there are great people around Alex Reyes if he will depend on them and, and kind of lean into that to remind him what he is so good at and help him continue to develop that into a skill that isn't just raw talent, but it's actually, you know, the the polished, the developed, the trained skill set that will allow mm-hmm. him to be successful, whatever his role looks like next season. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and again, Maybe a little bit of stamina will help as well. I mean, we know that the walk issue has got to be fixed, but, you know, his first 40 innings this year, he had that ERA of under one. Now, some of that was smoke and mirrors. It wasn't really that good, but it was still good. I mean, he was hitting, you know, batters were hitting like 134 against him. But then, you know, starting on July 4th and you go the rest of the year, his ERA is over six. I mean, it's better still not hitting him hard. But, you know, walks and, and, you know, a lot of home runs. Seven of his nine home runs came in that situation. So, you know, maybe there's a little bit of fatigue there and maybe he can build up to it. Um, I don't know. There's a lot of questions about Alex Reyes. And, and, you know, you mentioned Carlos Martinez as well. I think not that that Alex Reyes is going to become this, you know, whipping boy or the, you know, going to start dyeing his hair and get people all (laughs) upset or anything like that. Um, but there is going to be some, you know, is he ever going to live up to that full potential? Kind of like Carlos did. And for different reasons, obviously, because of the injuries and stuff like that. But that Uber prospect that was coming up in 2014 and 2015 probably is never going to develop in the big leagues. And it's it, not to his fault, but um, it's, it's frustrating to see, I guess. And sometimes we still, we have those expectations and when they're not hitting them, then they kind of get a little frustrating. Yeah. And I think, you know, we all have to come to the realization that if he's not who he might have been had he made it all the way to the major leagues without injury, that doesn't mean he doesn't still have tremendous value and that he doesn't still have right. tremendous skill. It may just look a little different than we thought it was going to. And the role may be defined a little differently than we thought it was going to be. Um, you know, we all celebrated the fact that, man, all this guy's gone through to get to this point, everything he's had to fight back from. And here he is an all-star, not as a starter, but as a closer, which is not what the script was for Alex Reyes <laughs> all those years. And yet here he is doing that. Now, did it get uh, difficult after that? <laughs> yes. Um, but the the reality was this isn't what we expected, but it was also good. And, right. you know, a lot of times, things don't go exactly according to expectation, but that doesn't mean they can't also be good. And I think that's the hope for Alex Reyes at this point is that, you know, maybe it looks a little different than we thought all those years ago. Maybe it looks a little different than he thought all those years ago, but it can still be good. He just has to, you know, put in the work and 
learn from the people around him and continue to develop that skill set into something that that can be great in whatever that capacity looks like at this point the way that his story has has been written Mm -hmm. up until now might be different but it it can still continue to be an, an asset it can still continue to be very valuable it just has to you know you, you never want someone at that point in their career after one year in the big leagues to go, okay, this is what I am now, yeah. <laughs> right? There's still plenty of room to develop and adapt and to grow and to learn and to change. If Adam Wainwright's still doing it at, at age 40, Alex Reyes can handle, uh, you know, continuing to learn and, and develop and become an incredible talent at the major league level. Uh, you know, even if that requires um, a bit of a different approach than it might have three or four years ago for him. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's still a good chance there's a story to be written for Alex Reyes. Um, we just don't really know what that's going to be yet. And so we'll see how and see what the Cardinals decide they think it's going to be as well. So there will be time for us to talk about the off season and we'll probably pick a little bit more about of what this season and, and what this game look like that we've gone long tonight. Uh, Taryn, I'll be back with you at some point in time. We may not be back next week. It's, you know, as the playoffs are going on, there's not a whole lot the Cardinals can really do. Um, you know, so we're kind of maybe kind of <laughs> taking our little bit of a vacation as well. But uh, if you're subscribed to the show, you'll find it. Uh, if you're following us on Twitter, you'll see it when we put it out. Um, but until next time, that is Tara. I'm Daniel. Good night. Hey, Cardinals fans. Thanks for listening to this week's show. If you liked what you heard, you can find us on iTunes. Just search Gateway to Baseball Heaven under podcasts and click subscribe. While you're there, feel free to give us five of those little gold stars or even a quick review. And tune in next time as we break down another week in baseball heaven.